What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this tight rip of Rabbit Hole Recap, Matt. Had prior engagements. We were, we were pressed for time, so quick 52-minute rip. This rip was brought to you by good friends at the Cash App. Cash App selling you stack sets, send sets, receive sets, sell sets, if you so please. We're saying sats, 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 because sats are the standards. There's 100 million sats, one whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You don't have to buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. You can stack whole sats instead. Cash App makes it very easy. If you haven't downloaded the app yet, make sure you use the code StackingSats when you do so. You're going to get $10, and $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model. Uh, this is indicative with their Volt product, which is a two or three multi-sig where you hold two keys, Unchained holds one key. You always have full control over the sats in that multi-sig quorum if you have your two keys, but if you're ever in a pinch, Unchained is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig uh, quorum. They have a white glove concierge service. It's going to take you from zero to having this multi-sig Volt set up. They're going to have multiple video conference calls with you. They're going to have uh, get you comfortable multi-sig, get you comfortable with their Volt product. They're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to help you get those set up, and then they're going to dump a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats into the two or three multi-sig volts. Once you have that set up, you're going to get $50. If you tell them that TFTC sent you, go check it out. Everything Unchained has going on at unchained.com. They are not a faceless company. They are not here to just uh, offer you a service and not talk to you. They want to be partners with your generational wealth. They want to make sure that they help you secure it for your children, your grandchildren and beyond. This trip is also brought to you by good friends at Brains. Brains is here to do many things. They're a team behind Slush Pool, which is the oldest mining pool in the Bitcoin mining industry. Uh, they also got Brains OS Plus firmware, which helps you stack more sats with your hash. If you have an ASIC that's compatible with <clears throat> Brains OS Plus firmware, and you download it on your ASICs, it's going to help you stack more sats. If you have an ASIC that's compatible and you're not using Brains, you're leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. If you point your hash at Slush Pool and you're using Brains OS Plus firmware, you're going to get 0% uh, mining fees. Uh, if you, you don't want to point at Slush Bowl for some reason, you're running brains, you don't have to point it at Slush Bowl. Not many people understand that. Beyond that, they have insights.brains.com. Again, that's brains with two eyes. Uh, that is going to give you all the data that you need about mining, your mining, uh, uh, your mining operation. If you're running one, they have calculators, they have uh, break even, even uh, cost calculators, they have profitability calculators. You're going to give you pool data, hash rate data, difficulty data, whatever you may need. That's insights.brains.com. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at HODL HODL. HODL HODL is here to give you uh, a lending platform that is non, no KYC, no AML. Uh, it's non-custodial. It leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties as well. The way it works is you put Bitcoin up as collateral on a two or three multi-sig. You hold one key, your counterparty holds one key, and HODL HODL holds the third key. The beauty of this is, uh, unlike the unchained multi-sig vault, where you have full control, you don't have full control during the duration of the loan, but you do have one key in the two or three multi-sig with the HODL HODL model, and so that gives you visibility into the wallet so that you can ensure that your sats are not being rehypothecated. And if you're paying back your stablecoin loan, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. Uh, if you want to enter the other side of that marketplace and get some yield on your stable coins, if you're a stable coin guy or gal, you can put them up to be lent out uh, and you can lend them out and get uh, your initial capital plus interest back. So get some yield on that stable coin. Go to lend.hodlhodl.com. 
L-E-N-D.H-O-D-L-H-O-D-L.com to check this out. Again, no KYC, no AML. You can use your Bitcoin to get stablecoin liquidity. Last but not least, this rip was brought to you by our good friends at Bitcoin 2022. Bitcoin 2022 is coming up. It's going to be April 6th to 9th uh, of this year. I've been saying uh, next year because uh, it was 2021, only a week ago. But it's the largest Bitcoin event in the world that takes place in Miami Beach, Florida. Uh, it's going to be in South Beach. All four days will be jam-packed with inclusive content, exciting announcements, and an incredible lineup of Bitcoin speakers, artists, and leaders. Day one is industry day for enterprising Bitcoiners who are looking to build a business or a career within the ecosystem. Days two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador President Nayib Bukele, CEOs like Sailor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, Adam Back, and hundreds more. The conference caps off on the fourth day with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Fest, headlined by rapper and fellow Bitcoiner Logic, featuring artists like K-Flay, M-Zero, Royal and the Serpent, Apache, Asadi, and more. Stay tuned for the upcoming lineup announcements. Last year's conference sold out, and this year's is on pace to be 3x larger, so make sure you grab your tickets before it's too late. As is tradition, we will be doing a live rabbit hole recap on-site. Visit b.tc slash conference to learn more. Ticket prices increase on January 14th, so use the code, the Como Pro, wow, the Como Pro, the promo code TFTC for 10% off, and I will see you in Miami, freaks. Enjoy this tight rip. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? It's your boy, Marty Bent, bundled up in Austin, Texas. Is that Texas. really Marty over there? <laughs> I want to say that. Like, Who could tell? Uh, going for a Unabomber look today, but I know we don't like bringing up those subjects on this podcast, so I'll, <laughs> I'll take it off. Um, what is up, freaks? Cut the stream. We, uh, we've got Matt in a box. Matt, Matt's in a box. Anything for rabbit hole recap? You're, you're in a, you're in a, a box. Of, is it, would you call it a, a box of emotion? You're very emotional in there. It's hot. Not good it's airflow. It's more like a fishbowl. <laughs> what, uh, what's going on? How's your week been? First rip of the year. We just had the last it's rip of the year. Good. Now we have the first rip of the year. You got like it's these things you celebrate at the end and the beginning. We're going to hit the ground Not running in 2022, middle. freaks. Celebrate all the different little things in between. Yeah. Uh, 13th anniversary of the Genesis block. We had we had that. Um, Bitcoin hit puberty. It did. Well, it hit its teenage years. Sometimes, yeah. Is it a late bloomer or an early bloomer? Did you see the, the Israeli Bitcoiners had a bar mitzvah for Bitcoin? I did not see that. That's hilarious. Uh, I am a shadowy super coder, Rob. Actually, eh, I can't really code that well. I, I pay people to do it. Um, You're not very shadowy either. No, I'm pretty pretty wide out in the open. Uh, where where my heart on my sleeve, as some people would say. Uh, yeah, thirteenth anniversary. So what? Let's talk about that a little bit. Genesis block. Technically, was it mined on the eighth, January eighth? It was broadcast on the eighth. Broadcast uh, on the eighth. We, we don't we don't know when it was necessarily mined. Uh, we know it was mined after the third. 
Yes, or on we, the third or later. On the third or later, we know because he had the uh, the, the London Times or the Times of London, excuse me, headline. Chancellor right. on the brink of second bailout for the banks. So that is a uh, a headline timestamp, if you will. Yeah, it was a proof of proof of timestamp there. So we know it didn't happen before January third. Yes. Um, one of my favorite, like, Bitcoin is like arguing about so much that uh, we even argue over what's the birthday. You know, is it October thirty first? Is it January third? Is it January tenth? Uh, January eighth. Like, so January tenth. God, we're getting deep into Bitcoin history. We'll probably do this every year. It's inevitable. Oh, did I fuck it up? It was the 8th. 8th was the broadcast. 8th yeah. was the broadcast. 10th was the first transaction outside of the Coinbase ah, block go. reward when Satoshi sent some Bitcoin to Hal Finney. And then Hal went on Twitter and sent the famous running Bitcoin tweet. He's winking. What are you winking at? I was winking at the live chat. Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. January, I mean, yeah, I, I think uh, October 31st was like conception. And then I guess January 3rd is, do, do you go January 3rd or January 8th? I, I like January 3rd. I mean, I think just for simplicity's sake with the time stamping of the headline and he, the date in, in the headline embedded in the block. I, I mean, something happened on January 3rd. Right, like it was broadcast on the eighth, but something. Yeah, well. But like it. Satoshi could have could have mined on the eighth, on the fifth, and then pretended it was the third. Yeah. I don't know, like, why he would do that, but he could. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. Why did he wait five? Did did he wait five? Did, wasn't there like an announcement too? Like I'm launching it, and didn't he have to wait for like other peers to join the network? Is that part yeah, of the reason? I, I think that was that was the explanation, right? That he didn't want to mine the second block until other people were in. Yeah. Because he could have just kept mining. Yeah. Um, Satoshi. If you're alive, hope you're doing well out there. Don't ever reveal yourself. Uh, and if not, thank you for uh, for what you gave the world, what you gave us. It's a beautiful invention. It's going to change the world uh, and hopefully going to fix humanity, uh, which is going through some strife right now. Uh, there's a lot going on in Kazakhstan. Written about it twice in the event this week. Matt had some incredible tweets uh, about the situation going on there, how it pertains to Bitcoin yesterday. We're going to get on, into all that. We've got a tight rip here. We're going to start where Did we always... Did you see what Ka Carmen said? The original software wouldn't start mining until it had a peer. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was right. Thank you, Ben, for confirming. I think you're in the building right now. We're at the Capital Factory Pleb Labs right now. Ben, if you want to come over and make an appearance, uh, feel free. Uh, <laughs> we are at Clark's dashboard right now. The price of Bitcoin is currently 43195 Uh Just fell to 200 or just rose. 43215 cuck bucks. One cuck buck is going to get you 2314 sats. Current market cap of Bitcoin is 817.7 billion cuck bucks. If you're into that type of metric, we're currently at block height 717,490. We have a difficulty adjustment in 206 blocks, uh, which is estimated to be on the 8th, which would be Saturday uh, here in Austin, Texas. Uh, right now it's looking like it's going to be a positive or an upward adjustment of 0.7%. That is because blocks are coming in at 9 minutes, 56 seconds. On average, there are currently 661 <laughs> transactions in Clark's mempool. 
Ben, do you have to say anything to the freaks? Uh, fuck what up, the ben? bears. Fuck the, the bears are having a week here, Ben. Yeah. The bears are winning. What do you have to say to them? They're beating your ass right now. I mean, I'm doing my part. I don't know about anyone else. Are you doing your part? I, I stacked at least three times today. Um, at least three times. What up, Matt? What up, Ben? How are you? I hear you have a Ben nearby as well. Yes. Yes. The Bens are everywhere, but they're getting their ass kicked by the Neils, apparently. Yeah, the Neils are beating you guys. What do we have to do to beat the Bears? Are you worried at all? No, not at all. We're fine. You owe Parker a steak dinner. 500K by the end of 2021 did not happen. Oof. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, well. Well, what are you work? What are you working on over there? Let's let's give a little, let's give a little, uh, a little shill here if you're willing to. Yeah, um, working on the Bitcoin company with uh, a couple other that bends, and um, yeah, we're gonna be launching <laughs> hopefully soon. I don't know. I don't know how much I'm supposed to share, but uh, yeah, a couple get, other bends. Yeah, you know, we're around. All right. Well, yeah. All right. We'll see you around. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming by. Whoa, the shoe. <laughs> so the podcast freaks, Marty just gave him gave Ben a little bit of shoe hand wave. No, ben and I have a, a funny relationship where we just shit on each other. <laughs> See, dude. Uh, there was 616 transactions in Clark's stash, but there, or excuse me, in his mempool, there are only now 458. I sent a couple one sap per byte transactions today, so I can confirm they're getting confirmed. Not uh, in next block, but uh, within hours, if you have time to wait. There's currently 4,378.2 Bitcoin in unspent capacity in Whirlpool. Right now, that's $189.2 million. Obviously, that's lower than weeks and months past, and that is because the price of Bitcoin has fallen. However, the amount of sats in that unspent capacity is up a bit. Uh, 4,378 is a bit higher than, um, than what it has been in recent weeks, at least, that, that we've been following it. Da, 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 and that's all we got for Clark's dashboard. Anything you want to point out here? It's hot as fuck in this box. Take your shirt off, dude. Just take your sweatshirt off. Yeah, I'm not not going to. Uh, not going to happen. Yeah, well, uh, mentioned it while going through the dashboard. Uh, it changed again. Another block was mined, and it looks like the, the next difficulty adjustment is going to be upward 0.8%. Uh, which increased since uh, I said it only a couple minutes ago. So big topic of the week, Kazakhstan. Uh, the people of Kazakhstan have hit the streets. It's just crazy. And uh, it seems like they've successfully uh, ousted their government. Uh, people hit the streets in reaction to the doubling of what is their liquid gasoline. It's not exactly gasoline, I believe, but it's some... Have they ousted the government? <laughs> I mean, the government's resigned, I guess. And I guess it wasn't an ousting, but... Uh, he, but isn't like the president or whatever the title is still in charge and he asked for help from Russia? I, I don't know what's going on. I think that was a couple of days ago. So let's be, let's try to set the stage here from my perspective. I am not a expert by any means or a novice for that matter on uh, Kazakhstan politics and its relation to... Uh, politics outside of its borders and the relationships it has. Obviously, a lot of people are, um, are running with theories. Uh, I think there's some U.S. meddling because of uh, the tensions with Russia right now, particularly around Ukraine and uh, all the posturing between the Biden administration and Putin. I don't know 
uh, how much validity there is in that. I do think. I mean, there's accusation of meddling on all three sides, right? Yes. China, yeah. Russia, and the United States. Yes, exactly. Um, it does seem what we can validate is the the prices of this fuel have risen significantly on a week to week basis. You can check those numbers and validate them online, uh, which uh, has driven uh, people to the streets. Uh, they, they, I guess that was the impetus for the uh, what people are calling an uprising. I mean, there's many pictures of burned down police stations, banks are being ransacked. Uh, the, the people are shooing away the army, like I just did the Ben Carmen, but in a much, uh, uh, some, much more force. Some Kazakhstan stats, because most people just know it as the land of Borat. Uh, ninth largest country by popu- uh, by land area, not by population. The population's slightly less than twenty million people. Sixty fourth um, largest by population. Yeah, it's uh, the largest uranium producer by far in the world. Um, and it's got 12% of the Bitcoin hash rate. I thought it was 18%. Well, 18% is citing that Cambridge tool okay. that you say yourself is bullshit. Uh, I, I didn't know they the, were citing the Cambridge. Next point, the next point is the government, to try and quell the protests and lessen their significance, cut out internet for the whole country, which knocked the hash rate of the global Bitcoin network down by 12%. So it's actually... That's probably the best stat we've ever gotten for how much hash is in Kazakhstan. Was all was it going offline, right? Well, let's talk about this. Like, where are you finding that twelve percent? Like, what do you? What's it like, was pool data? It was the API pool data, so we can't verify it for sure. Yeah, but it's it's right. So you have two ways of measuring hash rate. You have uh, actual commits and blocks. Uh, and then you have the pools giving out their API information. Carl, let's pull up insights.brains.com, please. Um, go to the pool distribution here. Because, uh, yeah, it is... Um, it is, it is it, take out the one year and go to one week for the time period. Uh, yeah, right there. Dan, yeah. But unlike the API pool data, this this isn't pulling from this APIs, is, is it? No, I believe this is an estimated hash Was rate. Was it btc.com pulls from the APIs of the different pools? And you can actually line it up with NetBlocks, which is the organization that tracks internet connectivity around the world. And as you see the internet connectivity drop, uh, you see the hash drop by 12%, around yeah, 12%. And then the, I think you can see that on this chart here too. Um, if you if you look at the timing of the peak and when it starts to go down car, um, no, go, left, go to the peak. On the uh, the uh, the next one, yeah, there. So that's um, yeah, Wednesday, January fifth at eleven oh eight. I think that's local time here, PM or AM. So yeah, that was right around when this was all happening. Um, so yeah, it does make sense. But yeah, and if you go down, if you look at the um, the pool distribution, uh, you'll see that if you compare car, if you go down to um, down more to like where all the pool data is. Keep going. Um, yeah, so if you look at the pool hash rate distribution, more importantly, the one-day block produced compared to the five-day, which is indicative of the difficulty epoch that um, we're currently in, uh, it does seem like some of the pools, uh, at least yesterday, their one-day uh, block production was trailing the the five-day block production, which would lead one to believe that and not only trailing but trailing significantly or like a couple standard deviations 
outside of what one would expect um, to be the norm. And so that that signaled to me at least that yes, a significant amount of hash rate did fall af- off the network. Kazakhstan uh, was a, a a safe haven for a lot of the Chinese miners that were kicked out of China. Uh, they had a lot of cheap electricity in Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan is very close to China, so it was a very easy transition for a lot of Chinese miners. That was actually probably one of the first place that many of them tried to go. Um, and, that, and from what I understand, uh, having had discussions throughout the mining industry, the, the capacity in Kazakhstan filled up rather quickly after the mining ban in China. So we know do know for sure there's a significant amount of miners there. The question was, all right, they shut off the internet for the whole country. Did these mining operations have alternative ways of, of accessing the internet to deliver um, valid hashes to the rest of the Bitcoin mining industry. So and probably it. the overwhelming majority didn't. Yeah, so I think it's like. probably it's a pretty safe assumption that um, around 12% of global hash rate is in Kazakhstan. Uh, and then, but it's also worth noting that the Bitcoin network continued to operate smoothly. Uh, if that hash never connects back, it would continue to as well, but it's a um, it's a it's an important reminder for not just miners, but for everybody uh, that when you're talking about state level attackers, redundancy in communications is absolutely essential yes. because different techniques that are used uh, to have redundant communication stuff like having two internet service providers uh, does not help you uh, if the government shuts down all internet service providers in the country at the same time. Yes. And so let's jump into this, right? Like, the, the, again, I think we've been in a, so typically the way Bitcoin Twitter works, uh, depending on what type of market you're in, if you're a bull market, people are happy, they're posting funny memes, they're shitting on no coiners, they're uh, jubilant, if you will, bear market, everybody's crying, like, oh my gosh, what's going on? We need to do something. But we've been in this somewhat of a consolidation phase. And during the consolidation phase, the, the conversation gets very weak and boring and you typically have a lot of clout chasers coming out and tweeting out like run-of-the-mill bullish tweets and platitudes that everybody agrees, but they'll get a lot of engagement. Um, but yesterday was a very interesting day and a very exciting day to me because uh, during this consolidation period, we've got an instance that and what's going on in Kazakhstan and the mining industry there specifically really stoked some interesting conversation around what Matt just described, redundancy of transaction relay and uh, information communication relay. Uh, and so let's let's dive into it a little bit. Like Wiz had some interesting perspectives on this, like more miners need to spin up their, their own internet service providers. I think he was being cheeky. That doesn't help. Yeah, right. That's because you have to connect. Doesn't to... help from this type of attack. They shut down all the internet service providers. Like if Japan told him he had to shut down, like, okay, he's known. Yeah. So and then even if you do have your own ISP, you have to connect to other ISPs, and if they're shut down, they're not going to be able to relay. The, outside, yeah. The right? real answer here is is satellite communications. You think so? Um, or if you're close to a border. Uh, getting you know data uh cell data from the neighboring country yeah um like so if you have like a russian sim and you're like near you're near the kazakhstani uh russian border then you can get reception there as well kazakhstan uh isn't that kazakhstani no they're kazakhs kazakh i did a lot of research on this 
Okay. People from Fair Kazakhstan enough. are called Kazakhs. Um, I'm not. I'm not an expert for sure. <laughs> I never the, uh, really think about Kazakhstan. Uh, she's like the psyop that Borat threw on the world. Borat apparently, like Matt mentioned, Kazakhstan is a very uh, resource-rich country. Um, yeah. So, like, I, I think mesh networks may even be better because than satellite. Because satellite too. Yes, it it is a good alternative and one. I think you should incorporate all of them if you can. Uh, but satellite too. That yeah. at the end of the day, that does connect to an ISP as well. Um, yeah, but it connects to a different country's ISP, yeah, right? Exactly. Like there's a different situation. If we had all countries in the world all cut the internet at the same time, first of all, there'd be absolute chaos. Uh, second of all, that's a completely different threat model. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You want as many redundant communication channels as possible. Blockstream satellite by default is receive only. Um, so you're going to need another broadcast mechanism, but there are uh, ways to broadcast via satellite as well through through other companies' satellites and offerings or whatnot. Um, Mesh is obviously a a a uh, cool option uh, and would be ideal uh, if you have other mesh peers to actually connect to and then get to a broadcast spot that can then hit the wider internet. But when we're talking about mining Bitcoin, right, it's competitive and you want to broadcast your transactions as quick as possible. So there's a lot of things at play there for a miner to be able to successfully use a mesh network, then get it broadcast and not be late to mining that block. Um, while a satellite connection, you know, you just, you, you buy a Blockstream satellite kit so you can receive block information, which is free. And then you get like an Iridium, you know, uh, satellite modem or something, and then you broadcast, and you don't have to rely on anyone except Iridium and Blockstream in that situation. They're both U.S.-based companies, uh, so I mean, like, Blockstream's Canadian, but uh, you know, so 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 if you're in Kazakhstan, that offers a nice redundant option, right? Um, without necessarily needing, and like, imagine if you're like in the middle of nowhere in Kazakhstan and then trying to connect to a mesh network like that is a that's a tall yeah. order it requires collaboration with a lot of people right yeah exactly well then I think it highlights like right now mesh networks are not there maybe and we've been talking about this on the podcast for years and it's like interesting maybe like something we can help push forward at 1031 or via some other avenue like we need to incentivize like mesh networks to be built out become more robust like, like our phones should be part of like mesh networks or Bluetooth enabled. Like, how do we incentivize a phone yeah. company to? Well, there's an app called Briar that does that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, and then like going back to like the ISP, some people are like each miner should spin up their own ISP and connect to each other. But it's like, eh, as I'm from a miner, like if you're depending on that ISP, that intra net of ISPs spun up by other miners, like miners are competitive. Like, isn't there incentive to like fuck? with another miner it's connected to you directly via ISP. I still don't think that's a real solution in a state level attack. No, neither do I. Uh, I mean, it requires massive infrastructure and if you have massive infrastructure then you have a target. Yeah. That's why I think satellite mesh networks may be the way out. And then like how, can you, like, and then there was conversation, Rodolfo and others uh, got on the ham radio conversation. They say it, it probably, it wouldn't be suitable either because blocks are too big and the, uh, the latency and the bandwidth of data transfer would, would simply be too much to, to actually mine in a timely manner and, and be profitable. Yeah. 
No, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of like theories we can go down, uh, like theoretical solutions for the future. But if you're talking about an actual drop-in solution, uh, like, and you're a miner, you do a you know a traditional, um, if you can, right? You do like a traditional ISP. Uh, that's like a hard line, right? Whether that's cable or whatever. You do a cell phone, ISP. You have a, maybe a Starlink connection. So you have a satellite-based ISP. And then you have an additional satellite connection that is a Blockstream satellite and Iridium broadcast just in case Starlink goes down. And you could actually do all of that today. Minus maybe the hard line if you're you know, an off-grid miner. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, off-grid miners like cellular data works. Um, yeah, but we're talking about redundancy, well. right? So if yeah. they have if if they have the ability, if you're like a warehouse miner, right, you can be connected to hardline, cell phone, Starlink, and then an additional satellite connection, Blockstream, Iridium, or whatever, and then you have decent redundancy there. And you need multiple countries to basically cut the internet for you to yeah to be cut out. Yeah, these are. Big problems, exciting problems, and fun problems to talk about. I mean, they highlight again, we need, and this is something I've been writing about, we've been talking about, alternative transaction and data relay networks are imperative. And I think there is a big opportunity if you're out there thinking like, oh, what can I do like build in Bitcoin or something tangential to Bitcoin? I mean, this is a massive opportunity, in my opinion. I mean, the blockstream satellite's incredible. They could use more competitors or... There could be more tooling built around that. Um, and then that could be like a little cottage industry, similar with mesh networks. We obviously have Gotenna, Locomesh. It seems like Locomesh hasn't had a lot of dev activity in recent years. We've got... Um, uh, and, and then we're talking about the miner perspective, mm-hmm. right? But users also have issues. Uh, if you're running a lightning node in Kazakhstan, your lightning node's disconnected. Your peers could be broadcasting bad states. Uh, you might get doxxed because your nodes all went down at the same time, right? Um, so if you, if you match it up with when the internet cut, then all of a sudden, you know, you know they're in Kazakhstan. Um, just spending Bitcoin, right? You need internet access for that, so you can't spend Bitcoin in that situation. I assume all credit card processing went down uh, in the country as well because that relies on internet, Um so like when you're, when you're thinking about it from a user perspective, especially in a society after cash, uh, right now, fortunately, we have cash. So you should always have some cash on you just in case you're in emergency situations and guns and ammo. Uh, but uh, and maybe alcohol, you could trade alcohol, too. Uh, but like <laughs> these are things that everyone should be thinking about. It's not just minors. Right. And I would just say one more because t- we, we see governments continually like in times of turmoil and times of revolution and protests, um, they cut the internet. We've, we've seen this in other countries. Uh, we saw this in Myanmar. Uh, it's going to become more frequent. But I would say that... Is the internet still it, down? It is, it is highly... Un- what, in, in uh, Kazakhstan? Kazakhstan? I believe so. Okay. Um, if uh, It's highly unlikely... We should still be thinking about situations where like the whole world's internet is shut down at the same time, but it's highly, highly unlikely that that would happen. And if it does happen, it's, it's going to be massive chaos. I mean, you're not, allowed, you're not able to message anybody. You're not able to uh, make payments of any, of any digital sort, whether that's 
fiat payments or whether that's uh, Bitcoin payments. Um, our whole world relies on the internet. So it, it seems highly unlikely that you'd have a situation where multiple countries at the same time would coordinate like uh, an internet shutdown. Beware of the cyber pandemic though. I've been warning about that. Like, I want to be surprised. Nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. Let's hope it doesn't happen. God damn it, let's hope it doesn't happen. But uh, they've been posturing about the cyber pandemic. We shall see. When well, I had something else to add there. Um, not on that that line of thinking, but just in general. Oh, satellites. So like, let's be true, uh, truthful with the, the design and security trade-offs of satellite. Like Blockstream is essentially renting a channel on a state-owned satellite that they can broadcast through. There's, there's nothing. But it's on a, it's a private, it's a privately owned satellite. Privately owned. That they're, that they're renting a channel on, and they, mm. they say that actually makes it more censorship resistant, because if you took out that satellite, you would take out other non-Bitcoin communications as well. Okay. Rather than it being a Bitcoin-specific thing, but if you're talking about the United States, like it's, it's not censorship resistant against the United States. Yes. Yes. So to be fair, but it's threat that, models. It's always threat models. Yeah, right? yeah. So like, let's get more private satellites up in space. Um, maybe this is like where Elon, oh, Elon's, sad. Elon's not focused on like Doge. Like we need this critical infrastructure, uh, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing I want to bring up. It's hilarious. Like Bitcoiners were <laughs> like nerding out over these threat models yesterday. And did you see any shitcoiners talking about this? No. <laughs> did they? Did they even care? Um, we have Fisher J mentioning, yeah, they don't, you know, this is what Web3 is supposed to be about, right? That's what I thought, censorship resistant uh, tech. Um, but yeah, there's very little talk about it in the, the no corner community loved talking about it because they were using it as FUD against Bitcoin, uh, even though all of our traditional systems rely on, on the internet as well. Um, Fisher J made a good point that Blockstream has five satellites now. Um, and then when you start adding things like Starlink, right, which is a, a shit ton of satellites, that's a separate system, right? So if we have more options uh, in terms of, and then you have the Iridium satellites, if, as you start having more options, then then it becomes inherently more censorship resistant because it's it, it increases the scale that, a, that an attacker would have to go through. Yeah. It's just about making it as costly and prohibitive as possible. Yes. In terms of like no coiners looking at the situation, be like, ha, ah, Bitcoin will never work. Like again, Bitcoiners are thinking about this and thinking about how to design and build and architect uh, an infrastructure in a way to make Bitcoin as anti-fragile and resilient as possible. And we take these, these situations and say, how can we learn from this, which is important. Um, praying for the people of Kazakhstan. It does seem pretty crazy over there. Uh, you never like to see these type of uprisings and this type of strife. It reminds me just visually and uh, the the what are uh, being presented as the the reasons leading to the uprising remind me a lot of the Arab Spring uh, in Egypt, uh, almost like exactly ten years ago, I believe, uh, where you had the prices of grain rise significantly and you had the Egyptian people rise up and and overthrow their government. So. Again, that's what I said in the bent on Tuesday night whenever I wrote about it. Like, If you push people to the edge and you particularly fuck with the lower rung of Maslow's hierarchy and needs, in the case of Egypt, it was food security. 
uh, in grain, in the case of Kazakhstan, uh, energy, uh, which which allows them to to um, travel and provide for their families. And people will crack. And another thing I said there is uh, you're, what you're seeing is this is happening globally. People are in the governments around the world. It's not only Kazakhstan uh, are pushing uh, their populaces to the edge emotionally. Um, and at the same time, you have the price of food, the price of energy, price of healthcare, education, all rising uh, in tandem. And there's a lot of dry tinder across the world. Again, we're trying to be positive here at TFTC. Thank God we have Bitcoin, um, but I don't think we should neglect the fact that there there is a lot of this type of uh, tinder uh, not outside of Kazakhstan. I, I would not be surprised if this is something that is um, contained to, to this one country. Um, so be aware, freaks. On to rosier topics, the HRF. Announced a new round of grants this week. Uh, they love they, to see it. You do love to see it. We need we need to incentivize people to build out Bitcoin so that we can have a fail safe for if things go bad. They give a one Bitcoin, 100 million sats were awarded to Jural Rodriguez, who's a Bitcoin Core developer working on a new GUI for Bitcoin's main software client for Bitcoin Core. Um, that's bad copy there. Uh, Bitcoin Magazine. You're not really in Bitcoin main software eh, most most popular software client would probably be more who wrote this namicos um namcos namcos uh it's definitely it's a main software client most popular because like main main gives out the connotation that it's the one that's fair i'll give him like, feedback he's he's standing outside the fishbowl right now yeah um, there are 50 million sack grants awarded to Farida Nabarema, who's an Afghan, Afghan, Afghan entrepreneur and Bitcoin educator, Roya uh, Maboub uh, from Sparrow Wallet, or, or Sparrow Wallet got a $50 million grant too, and Bitcoin educator and author Anita Posh uh, from Germany has has received a 50 million sack bounty as well. Um, and then there were a couple, 25 million sat grants that were given out uh, to Bolts Exchange, the Summer Bitcoin Project, uh, which we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, Exonumia, Blockchain Commons. Uh, I'm very happy for that one. Christopher Allen, um, we're supposed to have him coming on the podcast soon to talk about what they've been working on, and uh, Marin Estafanos as well. 4.25 Bitcoin in total. Massive. 425 million sats. I thought sats was a standard, man. You're... Sats are the standard. You're not practicing what you preach. 425 million sats, dude. Okay. Are you? How hot are you? You look very uncomfortable. I'm so fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> I fucking love the freaks. <sighs> so here I am. We'll keep it tight. We'll keep it tight. My uh, least. It might be my least comfortable rabbit hole recap rip in three years. You take the sweatshirt off, dude. Are you wearing a t-shirt under it? No. Uh, neither am I. So, I'll, if you take it off, I'll take mine off too. We can like no. We can bring back DeRose and John Seth, uh, an homage to Bitcoin Uncensored, uh, if you will. There's like literally 55 people outside this <laughs> door as well. Uh, next topic: uh, Kexanil uh, has a proposal for efficient reusable taproot addresses. I have not dove into this. Uh, this looks fucking awesome. 
Okay, explain it. So first of all, we had the whole conversation about Bolt 12 and Lightning Address last week. And it really centers around, to me, accepting donations in a relatively easy and private way. Um, I think that's a very important use case, especially for activists. Um, I would say, per our last conversation, um, I had another conversation with a freak and a friend uh, since then. And it's important that I, I didn't mention that Bolt 12 relies on sending a message through the Lightning Network that is not paid for. So it's yet to be seen if that is actually um, scalable an economically like aligned incentive right? Could, uh, could, to could make you, it work. Could you jam up channels that way? I'm not sure. It's above my pay grade, but like usually in Bitcoin land, like we care about incentives and like you should be able to, you, you should be paying for your services, right? Like it's almost like a spam attack. Uh, and this is the same issues that have been uh, framed with other um, projects that try and use a lightning as a cheap messaging layer. Um, so that is one trade-off to consider with Bolt 12. And it's also worth noting that the current Bolt 12 uh, implementation that C Lightning has doesn't actually blind uh, your node pub key. Uh, so your node pub key is still visible just like it is with Keysend, uh, Lightning URL, and um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's public with Lightning URL. I, it must be because it feeds you an invoice. Um, and uh, just a regular invoice. Uh, so it's worth noting that uh, Bolt 12 does want to do blinded paths as well, so that can blind your uh, node pub key. A lot of this shit is really complicated, and I try my best to understand it, but just usual caveats, learning as I go. Um, so this is an interesting option for donations, which is very similar to PayNIMS. Bit 47. Um, Right, BIP47, but it looks like a regular taproot address. So you can just post this taproot address. And if, if someone's, this is just a proposal right now, if someone's paying from a client that can support this, um, they can basically generate new addresses from that that only the sender and receiver know. So you could have a static string, which is your that taproot address. And then when people pay, they actually pay to a new fresh address. So you you preserve privacy, uh, but you have that reusable capability. So maybe the answer isn't even in Lightning Land. It could be, and um, but it, it this this seems like a very novel situation. And instead of uh, with Bib forty seven, where you have to send a transaction first, um, in this case, the first transaction you send can actually be the payment to the person. Yeah. So here how the initial transactions described in the uh, the GitHub post is similar to Bit47, the scheme uses a notification transaction. However, unlike Bit47, the notification transaction is also a real transaction. It is a transaction performed when the parties conduct business for the first time using the scheme. The center of the notification transaction must be spending at least one input of one of these types, which is P2PK. You can go look at the transaction type. So I think this is an interesting part. And something to highlight. Uh, so the sender must be capable of receiving Taproot and the receiver must use Taproot for receiving. The transacting parties may use PageWing but must not involve a third party in it. So it makes, what that highlights to me is we knew, need more Taproot adoption at the, while it's software, uh, software wallet or in the, the wallet layer. Like we need uh, more wallets enabling Taproot receiving and sending to, to actually make this as viable as possible, which actually totally makes total sense, but uh, may not be obvious to people, uh, since this is a, a 
a reusable taproot address. Uh, so if maybe we can make this a standard in wallet software, a new standard similar to BIP 47, well, not the BIP 47, BIP 47 didn't become a standard. Maybe this can become a standard that people implement at this the, software layer the, of the wallets. The main negative that my monkey brain, once again, seems above my, it's above my pay grade, but the main negative that I feel like is that if I post this taproot address, let's say I post it in my Twitter bio, uh, people that don't realize it's a reusable taproot address or using wallets that don't support it are just going to send it as a reused address, right? And then you have the same negative as if you're using a fixed address that is... So they're sending um, from like a, just a native SegWit address. Like when you post a paynim, everyone knows it's a paynim, right? So they know that, okay, this isn't a fixed address. I'm going to have to generate addresses using... Uh, BIP47 compatible wallet, right? But if you mm -hmm. post this, it looks like just a regular taproot address. So they might just send a naive, normal taproot spend to it rather than going through this process of using, you know, a, a client. So um, that seems to me like the biggest negative here. Uh, but so once somebody again, could, could somebody... I'm curious about discussion. Well, is your fear that like somebody... Who doesn't know that's a re, you know, reusable taproot address yes. would burn sats, essentially not noting that their their address isn't compatible with it? No, they wouldn't burn sats in that situation. They would just treat it like a regular taproot address rather than a reusable taproot address because it looks the same. On the receiving side or the sending side? The sender. The mm -hmm. sender doesn't realize it's a reusable taproot address, so they just send a regular Bitcoin transaction to it rather than yeah, actually calculating a fresh address from it using compatible software. Uh, so, but like uh, with the Paynim, it's obvious, right? With the Paynim, it's obvious. I thought it did that in the background. I thought if you sent it, it's sort of like a rendezvous invoice. If you, I thought it, I thought The sender I, wallet has to know that it's a reusable address. Okay. Because I thought when you just put the Paynim or in this case, the well, reusable with a Paynim, that's not address. the case. But with the reusable taproot address, that's the, that's my point. That's the that's the major difference between BIP forty seven and this. To me, I thought that happened automatically on the back end. It would just... with BIP forty seven, it does. Okay. With this, one of the whole benefits of it is that it looks like a normal taproot address. Time to call Craig Raw. Yeah, Craig, if you're <laughs> you're listening, uh, I'm sure this idea will be fleshed out more. And we'll, yeah, it just we'll have came more out. clarity. We'll have more clarity on it, but it does seem. But it's a very, it's a very exciting proposal. This is, uh, to me, this is massive. Uh, if it could work, and I don't know if it could or not, but it seems like smart people think it can. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. There, uh, yeah, the comments. Go to the comments in the uh, in the GitHub page. There's some lively conversation there. Ruben saw. Samson has some comments here. Three downsides he can think of. If Bob practices key reuse and sends a second payment, the address will be the same. Might be mitigated by including more information. Paying from a coin join won't be possible if you require the first input to be used. Unless everyone cooperates, you may not be able to pay the stealth to this to a stealth key from an output you don't fully control. Marty, don't read the comments live on air. Well, I'm just trying to understand this. It seems like I'm, they seem like solvable. It seems like good feedback. And the proposal can be manipulated to incorporate this feedback and actually make this possible. Um, so we'll be following this. Yes. This will be massive. Uh, we'll keep you freaks abreast. 
We've got software updates coming up, um, but before we get to those, we'll go to our one shout-out of the week paid via the Lightning Network, particularly for you, Matt, specifically for you. I was a little... I think I, I, I could have some productive feedback here too, but he asked you specifically, Matt, what do you think of buying low-fee shitcoins KYC then using them immediately to swap for BTC on a decentralized exchange? That way the government thinks you own dog shit Eno never comes after you as it trends to zero. Meanwhile, you have a stash of KYC fee sats, KYC free sats, uh, misspelling there, slowly building up in cold storage. Love the show, by the way. I, I mean, I, I've actually, I talked about that on uh, in our Matrix group uh, the other day um, because it actually is kind of a, a novel idea, uh, especially if you use something like, um, if you use Zcash, uh, which doesn't, you know, I wouldn't, I, I, I think it's I, the privacy aspects of Zcash are bullshit for the most part because no one really uses the, um, shielded the shielded addresses. things. And you have a lot of trust there and they have the pre-mine and they have all this other shit. But you do get some privacy benefits uh, because you have to remember when, even if you get the shitcoin, if you just send the shitcoin to like a swap service, like all that could be tracked on the shitcoin chain. So it's obvious that you went to the swap service. So you, you would want to hide the fact that you went to the swap service. Zcash is available while Monero isn't on most of the regulated exchanges. So you buy Zcash, you transfer it as a shielded address, and then you swap it into Bitcoin. And then the government thinks you have a token that's going to zero. And 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 over time, it's just like the amount of, it's just, it's just trends to zero. Uh, the only way you do get fucked in that situation, I was thinking, is if, uh, you know, if somehow Zcash pumped <laughs> and then they they go after you for those capital gains, but you didn't have the Zcash. You, know, you, you didn't have it. Yeah. But anyway, this is all really complicated. I, I think you're kind of overcomplicating it. But, you know, at the end of the day, people can uh, make their own personal decisions. Just know that. If you aren't using privacy techniques with that shitcoin, uh, they can. It's it's visible on chain that you went to a swap service and then swapped it for Bitcoin. Well, what about sub or uh, atomic swaps? Like, would you want to use? Well, what would you? What atomic swap service are you using with the shitcoin? That's a good question. Or like, what atomic know. swap tool is available for shitcoin to Bitcoin? Yeah. Once again, Monero has, you know, some atomic swap support with Bitcoin, but how are you getting Monero on the KYC exchange in the first place? So is it really practical? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree. I think this is a instance of potentially overthinking this. Um, yeah. Just try and obtain KYC-free Bitcoin, uh, whether that's through BISC, mining, in-person transactions, uh, selling goods and services for Bitcoin. That, um, I that, think there's some privacy benefits from these lightning withdrawal <clears throat> services, stuff like strike to lightning to like, but then obviously you still have, you know, maybe you can break the the chain, the break the trail in terms of, of your Bitcoin transactions going forward, but you still have a record of the Bitcoin purchased forever uh, because you used a KYC service. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way to get KYC free coins is to work for them. Like just demand people will pay you in Bitcoin. Yeah, but a lot of them that do that still use a KYC provider like Bitwage. Um, 
It's still, yeah. No, but I, yeah. I imagine they just send it straight from like a Coinbase account for someone you used to say, hey. Well, that's still, yeah. I know, but you I say, I mean, you're hey. just one step away from it. Yeah, but still. Just say, hey, don't tell, just tell the feds if they ask that you paid for a service. Don't tell them. Anyway, um, yeah, I, these are all, you're just, you're just kind of overcomplicating things, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there might be something there with Zcash because you can get Zcash on Coinbase and then you do a bunch of shielded transactions and then you swap and then they just assume the Zcash went to zero. You heard, it here, you heard it here first. Matt Odell is a Zcash shill. No, oh, fuck Zcash. It's, imp- it's important for me to make it clear that Zcash can go fuck itself. Yeah. What's going on it? And it's trending to zero and is a complete shit coin. And not- they want to switch it to proof of stake. Yeah. Uh, Matt is Matt is shriveling before our eyes. You're getting all red. I can see the sweat starting to drip down. This is supposed to be a tight rip, Marty. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Electris version 0.9.4 has been released. Blue Wallet version 6.2.16 has been released. Nothing big there. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Mercury Wallet version 0.5.6 has been released. TDEX version 1.2.2 has been released. TDEX is... Uh, the decentralized exchange built on Liquid uh, by Blockstream Foundation Passport version 1.0.8. I, I don't think TDEX is built by Blockstream. I thought it was. No, I think it's separate. My bad. It's like an app that some other company made. Separate. My bad. Uh, Foundation Passport version 1.0.8. Hexawallet version 2.0.67. I know you want to keep it a tight wrap. There's a lot of discussion about Hexa at a security model. You want to discuss that? Uh, I'm 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 frustrated because a lot of the concerns that were aired publicly, I've been giving them privately for like six or seven months. But just, I mean, you shouldn't. First of all, you shouldn't trust a mobile wallet with uh, too much money to begin with, and uh, definitely with Hexa is like very much a beta product still. Samurai Wallet version 0.99.98B has been released. GG had a very good post on his website, dergigi.com, D-E-R-G-I-G-I.com, about uh, podcasting 2.0, value for value, more specifically, uh, in that model. This is a great piece. Everyone should read this. Yes. Um, So so how you sort of change the, the monetization model on the web and just in, in general human interaction with product services, content creators, whatever it may be. Um, this was cool. The Sparrow Wallet guys did an Electrum server performance review. Um, I read through a, a bit of it, uh, but it seems like Electrum's uh, getting more performative. Is that, a, is that a fair assessment? No, so he's uh, Craig Raw put out this analysis. Uh, it's based on using Electrum X and Electrum Rust server on a Raspberry Pi 4. Um, basically, the TLDR is there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of making Electrum servers or an equivalent version of that um, more performant and better suited for. Uh, low processing power environments such as a single board computer, which is what we see in most of these node implementations, which pretty much all use Electris right now. Go read it if you haven't already. Keeping a tight rip on January 2nd. 
Anarchio posted uh, an article to Bitcoin Magazine, KYC free Bitcoin circular economies, free the markets, free the world. And and this uh, correlates very tightly to what we were just talking about, create these circular economies, have people, like a lot of the people that we receive Bitcoin uh, from are are sending from addresses that they control. Um, I would imagine particularly for shout outs, uh, for donations to the site, ad deals that that we take in Bitcoin. I I know um, with pretty high confidence that the the people on the other side of those deals are sending from wallets that they control. Um, This is all part of the Bitcoin circular economy. Uh, It's the best way to create a better privacy set uh, on the Bitcoin network is just to get your Bitcoin into wallets that you control and then begin sending it to and from uh, other people that have wallets they control. Yeah, I mean, look, and the the long term the long term mitigation of encroaching KYC is is to stop using the on ramps and the off ramps, right? And that's long term. You won't be buying Bitcoin. You'll be earning Bitcoin. You won't be selling Bitcoin. You'll be spending Bitcoin. Um, and I, I think it's very important that sooner rather than later, uh, those circular economies start to really develop and get more robust because then it gives us way more options than these regulated services. Yes. Uh, I'm a big fan of the circular economy. BTC pins is in the, the comments saying he prefers parallel economy, whatever you want to call it. It's basically Bitcoiners using Bitcoin the way it should be used, controlling your own keys and sending it to others that control their own keys. Um, therefore, uh, throwing uh, a chink in the chain of the the chain analysis companies, if you will, and their heuristics that they use. I, yeah, I mean, that's the wrong way of framing it. But you think uh, so? Why? Why is that the wrong way of framing because it? Because you just brought in. I mean, you just brought in the chain surveillance companies. This takes away the KYC data. Yeah. Component. Uh, chain surveillance companies are still going to be doing probability analysis and whatnot. Um, but they need that so KYC data to link it. Right? They don't necessarily need it, but it is one of their biggest tools in like data sets or whatnot. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the correction. You open that door. You go tell everybody that is outside of that door. I said, what's up and enjoy your night. Is there anything we want to, this was, less than, this was less than an hour. This is the tightest. How long was it? 52, 52 minutes. We used to do rips that were this tight back yeah. in the early days. Yeah. Um, I love you, Marty. I love you, Carr. I love you, freaks. Uh, don't let this, you know, Bitcoin's always been a gamer survival. Don't let short-term price movements fuck with you too much. Don't fucking check the price. Enjoy your loved ones. Enjoy what's really important. Think long-term. Stay on the stack sets. Woo! Yeah, if you're freaking out about the price right now, you've got to reassess your priorities here. Peace and love. Dickie!